Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. It's a pleasure to be in front of you to share with you God's Word. Uh, Special welcome to any guests that we have today. Uh, I think I know almost all of you, but there's a couple I'm not sure. Um, My name is Chad White, and I'm a staff minister here at Holy Word. And uh, so I work with the rest of the pastoral staff and doing ministry. Um, Grace and peace and mercy be yours today in abundance and always through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please open up your folder to uh, page 7. You'll see there the the sermon text for today. Uh, On the back side is also some questions if you want to use those for meditation here or later. I'd encourage you to do that. I remember uh, quite a ways back, it's been about 30 years ago now, I was getting ready to enter as a freshman into the University of Wisconsin. Uh, This is a second career for me, uh, being in ministry, so back then I was going to school to be an engineer. And uh, back at that time, and I I still do today, I really uh, really enjoyed, I really enjoy, I should say, um, gymnastics. Uh, I just think it's a neat sport, especially men's gymnastics, being a man. Um, just the things that they're able to do and the feats that they're able to do. And and maybe because I'm short and uh, I like to work out, so I kind of fit the mold a little bit as a gymnast. But growing up, they didn't have that in my hometown. Uh, I grew up in a small town, and they didn't have a gymnastics center. So I didn't grow up with any type of formal training or anything or didn't have that that, uh, exposed to me or that possibility. But I, I really liked it and enjoyed it, and, uh, and so I, I did things here and there, you know, as I was growing up, and um, especially as I was getting ready to go to college, I don't know why, but uh, I did more things, like just practicing handstands, and the summer before my freshman year, I, I taught myself how to do a back handspring, which I was really excited about, um, and uh, it was stretching more and all this. Anyway, so I get this idea over the summer that I'm going to go to the coach at the University of Wisconsin and ask him if I could join the team. And uh, it was the first week of school. I walked into the natatorium at Wisconsin and uh, walked in, and I, the guys were all working out there, and I saw the coach. I recognized him from a picture I had seen. And uh, I walked up to him, and I said, I remember this conversation very vividly. I said, uh, you know, Coach, I'd, I'd like to try out for your team, you know, try to be a part of your team. And uh, he looked at me, and he said, Son, uh, have you uh, done gymnastics before? And I said, Well, not formally. You know, I, I've never actually had training and, you know, in a formal sense like that. We didn't have it in my town growing up, so... Uh, but I've done some stuff on my own, and, uh, you know, and I said, and, and, you know, and I taught myself to do a back handspring this last summer with a big smile on my face, and he said, okay. Uh, he said, have you ever competed? And I said, well, no. And he said, uh, he said son, I want you to take a look at these young men that are here. And he said, uh, all of these men have, from a very young age, been training in gymnastics, and they've put in hours a day for many, many years to get to the level where they're at today. 
Um, and if you've done gymnastics before and have competed at that level, you know that's generally what it takes. And I said, well, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. And, and he said, and do you know that we compete at the Division I collegiate level? And we are striving every year for a Big Ten championship. I knew where this was going. And, uh, you know, the message was pretty clear. The conversation ended pretty quickly after that. But, uh, you know, I I was not going to make the team. (laughs) I didn't have what it took. There's no way I was going to make that team. And it was a very humbling and a very sad uh, for a while and a very eye-opening experience, I will say. And, uh, you know, what, what that coach did was in love. He hit me right between the eyes with a dose of reality. He was very kind, but it just, he had to let me know, hey, dude, this isn't going to work for you. Have you ever had that happen before to you? You've had these uh, hopes and dreams and expectations about something, and so you went to someone that could maybe help you in that area, and the answer you got was not what you were expecting, not what you had hoped for. Well, today, in our sermon text, we're going to look at Uh, we're going to see this happen to a man that comes to Jesus with some expectations and some ideas about life and eternal life. And Jesus is going to engage him, and we'll see what he says. Uh, Again, turn to page 7 if you're not there already. Our text comes from Luke 18, starting with verse 18. It says, A certain ruler asked him, asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Uh, The first first thing I want us to think about with this text is is this guy uh, and to ask, you know, what do we know about him? And we don't know a lot. This This is all we have about him in the Bible. We know he's a ruler. We don't know of what. Could have been a synagogue. Uh, and I say that because he obviously is familiar with the commandments, very familiar, and not just familiar, but he works hard at trying to keep the commandments, and he feels pretty good about how he's keeping the commandments. Um, but we also know that he has some pretty major spiritual problems. And the first problem is this, and if you're, you're new here or you haven't heard this before, uh, he thinks that he can earn his way to heaven. And uh, he just can't do that. And we'll talk about that more as we go along. But um, he thinks he can earn his way to heaven. But there's other issues that he has too. Um, 
he, he seems to think that the good life is about keeping the commandments and feeling good and value and worth about keeping the commandments. So Jesus um, engages him and recognizes, I've got to change this guy's heart because, again, this big problem that he thinks he can earn his way to heaven. And Jesus could have just said, you know, buddy, you, you can't work your way to heaven. You know, what are you thinking about? And, uh, but he doesn't. He very lovingly and truthfully engages this guy to help bring him to the truth. And the first thing he says to him, which maybe you're wondering why he said this, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And, and it seems like what Jesus is doing here is he's trying to get him to start thinking about this idea more, about this idea of being good. Because he thinks he needs to be good to get to heaven. And he's saying, look, if that's what you're thinking, the standard is God. He's already trying to get him to think, hmm, maybe that's not such a good idea. But he goes on. Jesus says, he quotes some of the commandments. He said, what does they say? If you want to earn eternal life, basically, what do the commandments tell you to do? And, and again, he lists some of the commandments. Uh, it seems here like Jesus is using the law. He's you know, telling him the commandments so that as he goes through them in his head, he starts to think to himself, oh, wait a second. I'd, actually, I don't do very good at that. Or, hmm, hmm. You know, and he realizes he actually fails Jesus quite a bit. And, but he doesn't get that. He's, he's not going there. He says, all those I've kept since I was a boy, Jesus. And so Jesus realizes, okay, I got I to gotta lower the boom on this guy, <laughs> right? What, what I'm doing is not working for him. And so in love, he hits him between the eyes with a dose of reality, he hits him with something that he knows that this guy is not going to be able to do. <clears throat> and he knows it because he knows in his heart that he has replaced God with his wealth, with his pursuit of wealth. That has become his idol. And Jesus hits him right where it counts. And he realizes, can't do it. I cannot save myself. And he turns away in sadness. I can't create the good life for myself by being a good person. I fail. You and I are a lot like this ruler. And whether you're at the place where you believe that you're, you can earn your way to heaven or you're at the other side of that, you're in the other boat, we're like this ruler in this way. We also believe and we tend to believe and see life like this guy, does, like this ruler does, that life is about being a good person. It's the, it's the be a good person philosophy, I'll just call it. And, and let me just say this before I go on. I'm not saying that being a good person is a bad thing, right? Jesus wants us to be a good person. He gives us his law to guide us and to help us, and he wants us to love the law but this is the problem, especially for us as sinners, when we have that be a good person type of philosophy. First of all is that we start to feel like, as we do that, that we're one of the good people. And that there's other people that are not so good. And we start to look down on them and we judge them. Another problem with the good, be a good person philosophy is that we start to find our value and our worth in whether we're being a good person or not. 
And we can, um, and like we heard in the, in the reading or in the intro, I think uh, Vicar told us that, you know, if we base our life and our value and the good life that we're trying to achieve or that we want to have based on what we're doing or how we're doing, well, that's going to go swing like that. Because sometimes we do really well and we feel really good and sometimes we're doing really bad and we feel terrible. And our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors are based on whether we're doing good or not and we treat other people the same way based on whether they're being good or not. And that's a problem. And if we, if we take it to the extreme, if we move that, that progression, if we progress with that line of thought, we can start thinking that if we're doing really good, we're kind of on God's good side that we're earning some kind of favor for him. And, and again, to the extreme point, we start thinking that we're actually earning our way to God, to righteousness and to heaven. <clears throat> That's a problem. Um, I want to share something with you to just kind of show how pervasive this idea is in our culture and our society. Uh, yesterday, I was at the Target at, uh, it's called the Stonehill Community Center. It's, it's at the corner of uh, 45 and 130, close to where we have our land. And I, I like to, the last day or so of getting ready for a sermon, I take my notes and I go away from the house, I go away from the church, and I just, I like to get out and kind of walk around with my notes and I, I kind of look, look at them and I think through it. And as I was doing that yesterday, I was people watching and I noticed just how many t-shirts people wear that, that just promote this whole idea and and uh again i'm not saying those shirts are bad okay i wear some of those shirts but i'm just saying but they kind of promote this idea that our value and our worth in life is about being a good person and if we're not doing that that we're somehow a failure we're not as good just just listen to some of these uh t-shirt slogans or sayings Um, hero in training drive and deliver um, this one I saw in a, just a little bitty kid said, got to catch them all. And I, I think it was a uh, Pokemon shirt. But again, it, it, it's this, right? It's, it's putting in his head, I got to get them all. I got to be good. I got to be a good person if I want to have the good life. This one really hits with this sermon. And I'm not making this up. I so actually saw this on someone. I will achieve my impossible. It affects us all. All of us. And Jesus loves us so much that he, he won't let us wallow in that type of thinking. Uh, it's spiritually unhealthy. And to the extreme, it can condemn us. And so in love, he confronts us. He uses the law to convict us and to, to work to change our hearts, to bring us to repentance about that, to, to, to show we're sorry about that. But like this ruler, sometimes maybe it doesn't work. And so what Jesus has to do is he has to hit us between the eyes with something that really grabs our attention and really makes us realize, whoa, am I in a bad place and, and I have not lived up to what Jesus wants me to do and I've, I've gotten all askewed and how I'm looking at the good life and, and what I think life is all about and I need help. For the ruler, he used his wealth or the pursuit of his wealth, because he knew that that had become an idol in this guy's heart. And that was, it was really a breaking of the first commandment, right? He listed the commandments, but the one he really was breaking was the first commandment, because he had put wealth inside of his heart instead of God as the number one place. And I got to tell you, we all do it. 
we all occasionally have that idol inside of our heart that takes the place of God. I do. I've, I've, uh, I've told a lot of you, I, I love my job. I, I love this work. Um, it's hard at times, right? And it gets stressed. Cindy can tell you that, right? But um, I love it. I love sharing the gospel with people. I love teaching the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, being involved in ministry with people and doing uh, things for the kingdom. But if that job, if my calling, a good thing, right, starts to consume my thoughts and occupy my time and my energy in what I'm doing or not doing or successes and failures, if that does more than God, then it's become an idol. And it has for me. I'll admit it. And so what is it for you? What is it that if Jesus hit you between the eyes with it, that you would realize, I just can't do it, or I don't know if I can do it, and you would turn in sadness away? It might be your spouse, your kids, your career, some leisure activity that you spend a lot of time doing. Maybe it's your favorite sports team. And again, Jesus loves you so much that he will come to you and he will break through that hardness in your heart. He will reach into your soul and he will expose those idols. He will expose those false ideas about how we can gain for ourselves the good life and find our value in what we do or don't do. He will expose that for us. When the ruler was at that place, uh, Jesus uses this, uses this interesting illustration uh, about a camel, probably the biggest animal that they had ever seen. And he, he talks about that camel trying to get through the eye of a needle, which is the smallest thing, opening, that they probably were familiar with. And he's making the point that that camel going through that needle ain't happening. And that's just as impossible as it is for this rich man to get to heaven because of the idols and the sin and everything else in his heart. But it's not just true for the rich man. It's true for you and me too. It's impossible for us by our own doing to earn or to achieve the good life or to earn and achieve eternal life. Jesus says it's impossible. And when he confronts us with that, in love, when he confronts us with that, we cry out like the people in the, in the text, well, then who then can be saved? Yes, indeed. Who then can be saved? But that's exactly where Jesus wants you to be, and that's where he wants me to be, and that's where he wants all people to be, is to, be, to get to the end of ourselves and our, and our desires to achieve and to earn God's favor and to earn the good life and earn eternal life. He wants us to get to the end of that all and to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, how? And he gives us the answer. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible for you and for me is possible with God. 
What was impossible for that ruler to give up all of his wealth for Jesus, Jesus did it for him. He gave up all of his riches, the riches of heaven, and he gave it up for you and for me too. Jesus never asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Instead, he asked, what must I do, Father, to give to these sinners eternal life? And so he and the Father put together a plan, knowing that we would drift away from him and knowing that we would have all these false ideas about the good life and eternal life in our head, and he said, we're going to do it for him. They said, we're going to win it for him. And so Jesus came and he lived in our world. He stepped into our world, into a life of poverty, and he lived a whole life of poverty, never ever once being allured by the riches of this world, so much so that he would turn away in sadness from following his father. He never once did that. And Jesus lived his whole life so perfectly that he could truly look back on his life and say, Father, I've done, kept all these since I was a boy. And no one could ever come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, you still lack just one thing. He didn't lack anything. Never did. He did it all. He did it all perfectly for you and for me. He won it all for us. And he gives it to you as a gift. And as he hung there on the cross and said, it is finished, what he meant was it was all done. And I'm giving it to you. What is impossible for you is possible with me. In love, Jesus doesn't just confront you and convict you with the law, but he also gives you eternal life and the good life as a gift. So now you don't have to ask Jesus Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because he's done it all for you. And you don't have to try to go to Jesus to win his approval and say, Jesus, I've tried to, I've done all these things as a boy or since I was a boy. Because he's done it for you. You don't have to give away all of your wealth. And you're forgiven. Jesus says, I forgive you for all of the times that you try to achieve things in the good life and eternal life on your own. I forgive you for that. And I forgive you for treating me more like a teacher than like a savior. You know, we we don't know what happened to this guy after this event. Um... Matthew and Mark's gospel tell us that he walked, actually walked away. It doesn't say that here, but so when he turned in sadness, he turned and walked away. So we don't, we don't know if he actually heard or listened to Jesus when Jesus said, what is impossible for you is possible with God. And we don't know if he ever came back to Jesus and got to hear those words that It's all done for you, and I give it to you as a gift. We don't know if he got to experience that grace and that peace. I said earlier that uh, that there's a lot of ways you and I are similar to this ruler, and up to this point, it's all been kind of bad things, right? 
But there's one way that we are good, or I mean that, that we're like him in a good way. And it's this. We got to hear Jesus say, what's impossible for you is possible with me. And because we got to hear it, we don't turn away in sadness. Instead, we can, we can walk out of here in happiness and joy with our head held high, not because of anything we've done, but because he's given us the good life. And we can walk out of here loving the law for the right reasons, not to try to earn something, but to say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for doing it for me. And we can be a good person, again, for the right reasons. And we find our value and our hope and our peace and our joy in what Jesus has done for us. In closing, I just want to say, uh, as I was walking around yesterday and I was thinking about this uh, you know, opening story that I told you about going to Wisconsin, and I thought to myself, you know, um, it would have been nice if uh, that coach, after you know, everything was uh, said and done, or we had our conversation, if he had said, you know, Chad, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to make the team, um, but I want you to come and be part of the team. Um, not to compete, but just to come along for the ride, to enjoy the journey with us, to enjoy the successes that we have, to just be with us and enjoy it, because I know you would like it. Well, that's what Jesus does for us. He says, you can't do it on your own. You can't earn the good life. You can't earn earn eternal life. But I've done it for you, so just come and be part of our team and enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Live the good life. Amen.